Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to... This is your Muskoka Morning on the Bay. This is going to be a very interesting chat because uh, I don't know a lot about this gentleman, but I do know about his work. So uh, I'm excited to finally, you know, put a face and uh, put a voice to the uh, the books that I've seen and some of the stories that I've heard as well. Uh, Michael Runce is joining me in studio. His association with Algonquin Park spans nearly 50 years and includes uh, working as a park in, um, naturalist for 11 years. He also hosted the international television series Wild by Nature, has authored and illustrated 14 natural history books, including Algonquin Wild and his latest Wildflowers of Algonquin Provincial Park and the Explorer's Guide to Algonquin Park, the fourth edition. Well, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to, to have you in studio. And, uh, you know, we were kind of chatting off air. Um, we're fortunate where we live. I mean, let's just face it. Our backyard is a, literally a playground with Algonquin Park and all that it has to offer on so many levels. And I don't have to tell you about that because you've experienced <laughs> experienced it on levels that uh, that a lot of us could only uh, dream of. So I just want to ask you right out of the gate here. We'll talk about the books. We'll talk about a few other things. But when did you fall in love with nature? What, what was it oh. that, that, that brought you to? Uh, well, I was actually forced into it, Grant, when I was five years old. Uh-oh. I would go next door to my neighbor's uh, yard. And I have an older sister, five years, my peer and uh, or my age. And she had a friend next door. They had a playhouse. Mm. And apparently, I would go back there and harass the girls in the playhouse. I find that hard to believe. But, but uh, the mother would come to distract me and walk me around her yard with binoculars and a field guide to the birds and show me orioles in the trees. And that just caught my attention, and that was it. And I didn't know the story until I was like 25 years old when she finally told me. And wow. that's how I, rec- I can recall the Orioles and the binoculars and the field guide, but the story about be- being coerced into it, I didn't realize I did that, or that was done until I was mid-20s. Yeah, it's amazing to think about it. Your association with Algonquin Park uh, for fifty years, 50 and years, uh, well. is it uh, am I okay, okay to ask you? Is there a favorite uh, lake? Do you have a favorite lake in the park, or is that too hard to say? Well, with over a thousand lakes in Algonquin, mm. it's pretty hard. But actually, the eastern side of Algonquin, uh, Barren River in that area, the Lake Traverse on the Petawawa system, I love that part of Algonquin. So, if I had to choose one single lake, I would say Lake Traverse. Okay, and that's uh, that's a lake that I'm not uh, that I'm not overly familiar with. So well, it's it's got beautiful rapids coming in. It's got a big marsh on it, and lots of good memories of seeing wolves there, and and lots of unusual birds. Now we were so, talking about wolves a little bit off air because I'm just I'm fascinated by the wolves, and, and unfortunately sometimes the uh, the wolf itself gets a very a bad rap. You know what I mean? A lot of people say, oh, the uh, the wolf, uh, you know, take down the deer, and they interfere with hunting, and you know they, they're painted as this vicious, a vicious animal. But the reality, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but the reality with a wolf is that normally the, the deer they will take down is like the the elderly deer or even the wounded deer. And a lot of their diet is is smaller game. Absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, because they have to capture their prey and kill it mm-hmm. uh, without the use of a high-powered rifle, uh, they tend to capture animals that are slower and therefore often older or ill or, mm-hmm. or in some way disadvantaged. Uh, but they also eat a lot of beavers as well. That's a main food. And, and moose as well. So there's actually three main prey. They do not eat, though, small mammals, like Friday Moat wrote in his fictitious book, Never <laughs> yes. Cry Wolf. Totally fi- fiction, but however, another story there, another day. But uh, Yeah. And now, you've also had the ability to do something that a lot of us have never done that I think is fascinating, is you've actually communicated with wolves. 
Yeah, I tend to try to photograph wolves, and I tend to to locate wolves by howling, and then sneak in during the night mm-hmm. and wait for daybreak, and then howl again and try to attract them. And it works very well. And I have been very lucky over the years, and and got a number of of I think really good. Uh, not just experiences, wills, but pretty good photographs, too, as a result of that. And sometimes you're by yourself when you're doing this, right? Usually, because although Britta now accompanies me, but often in the past I was alone because working by yourself really enhances your opportunities with, with meeting shy animals like wolves. So are there opportunities sometimes where it, it, it had to be some opportunities where it must have been a little bit uh, like the goose uh, the goosebumps, a little hair raising. You know, you're yeah. out there in the middle of the night. It's yeah. it's pitch black. You're, you're calling to the wolves yeah. and they're calling back. Yeah, I would imagine that really is... It's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> your adrenaline really flows. And, you know, often they'll come in to investigate the howler and you'll hear, you'll hear sticks crack and you know there's an animal coming in, but usually I howl right toward sunrise because then there's light to photograph them. Mm-hmm. But I locate them first, yeah, at night by howling, and uh, it's it's a it's a, an amazing experience. Without sounding uh, silly here, how do you how do you learn to do a proper wolf howl? Well, actually, that's a good question because when I began in '72 in Algonquin, they had the world famous public wolf howls mm-hmm. with as many as 2,000 people on them. So we were taught how wow. to howl, but there's no big skill involved. Anybody can howl. It's making yeah. a loud noise, and uh, any age can howl well. I've seen little kids, you know, five, six years old, howl and have wolves answer back. Gentlemen in their 80s and 90s have howled and had wolves answer back. Mm-hmm. So there's no real magic to it. Do you normally get the 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 the, the response right away? Is it usually or it really does vary? Uh, Overall, I would say on the second howl, wolves answer back. The first one gets their attention. The second howl we give has them respond. But sometimes it takes several howls. Sometimes it takes a group. So the two of us, like Britta and myself, will howl a number of times. It's called a group howl. And uh, sometimes it takes two or three of those. And sometimes they don't answer back. Right. Come in. So there's no real guarantee. If wolves are there, they will mm-hmm. answer back, but often they will. Now, are you afraid of wolves? Are you intimidated by wolves? No. In fact, I fear people far more than I fear wolves going downtown Ottawa, Byward Market, or, yeah. you know, down to Young, uh, Jarvis Street in Toronto. I mean, I mean, you know, I do I respect animals. I respect mm-hmm. bears and wolves, but I don't really fear them. Now, am I right that the red wolf at one point was was reintroduced to Algonquin Park or was brought was brought? That is a a rumor that's not true. It's not true? No, yeah. They never... uh, What happened one time, they had a pack of wolves. They were studying in Algonquin Park. Okay. And and, uh, some people assume they were released then into the park and uh, and to bring back populations. They weren't. Uh, No, the wolves here have been around. But actually, the wolves in Algonquin Park... you said the red wolf, which is pretty close. Uh, at one time, there was an eastern wolf that ranged from down south, Texas, Florida, up to southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. And that wolf moved into Algonquin Park in the early 1900s with logging and fires right, okay. and also persecution of the timber wolf that was here, mm-hmm. uh, the bigger wolf. So once the bigger wolf was gone and deer came into the park in huge numbers back at the turn of the previous century, then these smaller wolves came into Algonquin. So they have been here, but not since time immemorial. They've been here for, you know, a little over 120 years or so, the, the wolf we have currently. I know you've got another thing to get to, and I feel like I could talk to you for a long time, because I've just as you're sitting here, I have more questions that are just coming into my mind that I want to ask you, because I'm interested about it from, uh, um, 
how do you say, from growing up in this area. Mm-hmm. You've been associated with Algonquin Park for 50 years. I'm not the only one, I don't think, that has noticed how the the um, the visitors to Algonquin Park has increased on such on such a level. Yeah. Um, how yeah. I know people that um, that travel through the park to get maybe to their summer destination in the summer, and and they can't sometimes, especially during the fall when the yeah. you know yeah. people are lined up. I know that this is good for the park. I mean, but is it is it really good for the 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 the, the natural side of Algonquin Park to have so many visitors, have so many people yeah. that, that that are obviously leaving debris, yeah, a, their a, footprint? You know, a great question. The thing is, uh, Algonquin is massive. You know, mm-hmm. It's three thousand square miles, right? And the majority of people, ninety odd percent, are in the Highway sixty corridor. They just stay right. So in, exactly, yeah. and they stay in the trails there. So the, really, the effect of all those people is minimal. And it's also, you know, it's not every day. It's it's it's, it's certainly more so in the fall and during the summer, but it's more of a flush of people at certain times. But again, the effects of all those people are primarily confined to the highway corridor, and even there, even with all these people. You can still encounter wolves, see moose. For example, we saw four moose yesterday mm-hmm. as you pass through Algonquin. You can still have those amazing, intimate experiences with nature right on the highway corridor. And uh, in fact, probably as many as you can by going way back to the park interior where there's hardly anybody in certain locations. Right. The longer the portage, the fewer the people. That's, that's <laughs> a rule here in Algonquin Park. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Also, uh, with the other uh, books that Michael has, uh, has penned and also illustrated, he's also... Uh, um, his images have been uh, in children award-winning books as well. Michael is also a professor at Carleton University, where he has influenced uh, almost uh, sixty thousand uh, students have uh, taken his course. Uh, do you enjoy teaching? Do you do you enjoy that? Uh, do you enjoy that? I love teaching. I love explaining nature to people, getting mm. people turned on to nature. Right. And all my courses at Carleton, I've been very lucky. I was able to create all those courses: natural history and ornithology. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, I, I'm in total charge of what I offer to, to to the students. And I do love. And so many of the students have been uh, over the years telling me that it's changed their direction in life. They switched from arts into biology, and so on. And of course. Course, not all do that, but but even if a few to a handful do, then it, you know it's really gratifying to know you had some sort of effect on someone's life, and, uh, and that absolutely makes so worthwhile. And uh, your books are available at uh, Friends of Algonquin, and also at the Algonquin Outfitters uh, here in town, and also in um, in I'm blanking on the name. Yep, me too. But in better bookstores everywhere. There you go. You got the, you got the answer. <laughs> Oxton. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Oxton. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and also online too. I mean, you know the yeah. What is um? I know this is going to be hard for you because you've you've been involved. What are some, if you don't mind, just before we go, because I know you've got to go. And what are some highlights? What are some moments in nature that 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 still that you think about? Yeah, there 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 are myriad moments in nature that uh, I've been really lucky and blessed with in terms of experiencing. One of my favorites involves wolves. Uh, I was trying for years to photograph pups. Uh, howling as a group, you know, mm-hmm. together. And after many, many years, it was only about about four or five years ago. Uh, I located a pack. I snuck in before daybreak. It's only about a kilometer and a bit to, to bushwhack in, and came to a larger, uh, almost an elevated piece of land overlooking a stream and a beaver pond. And and the wolves were on the far side. So I snuck in and went to the water actually to hide behind some big dead trees, and watched an opening for these pups to appear. And they finally appeared. 
and they came into the early morning light, and they were playing, and I howled, and they stopped, and they raised their heads, and they howled. And that's in the, I think, the Explorer's Guide, as well as Algonquin uh, Wild as well. But that moment, I'll never forget the three pups raising their heads and howling, not knowing I was there. Wow. Yeah, and I've had many experiences, too, with smaller animals. Uh, I have a keen interest in dragonflies, and there was one called the uh, Arrowhead Clubtail, that I've searched for for more than 20 years in Algonquin. And just two years ago, I'm with Britta, and we're looking at, I'm looking at insects on flowers, and Britta comes over. This is a really beautiful dragonfly I photographed. It was the arrowhead spike tail, and uh, we found it, and it was new for Algonquin. So things like that. I'm always looking for new things, new experiences, whether it's wolves or moose or small things like dragonflies or wildflowers. I find every aspect of nature equally fascinating. I encourage people to. Is there a website that people can go to, uh, Britta? Uh, no, but we are on um, Facebook at the moment. Um, we're still building our website. So we're under our handles under Nature by Runs on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow our travels there. Excellent. I wish we uh, Will you come back again another oh, time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we just got started. I want to hear about you too, Grant. You've got a pretty <laughs> amazing life. Makes mine look pretty pedestrian. Oh, I, but... <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> That was absolutely incredible. So I encourage people to uh, to check it out. And thank you so much for this uh, for this gift. I look forward to uh, uh, to the read as well. And uh, I've enjoyed your uh, on Facebook. I've enjoyed so many of your photos. So oh. thank you for that and the, for for those offerings as well. And uh, it's just uh, it's been an absolute pleasure today. So uh, thank you so much. I encourage um, people to uh, to pick up some books at Friends of Algonquin, also at Algonquin Outfitters, and as uh, as Michael put it, uh, in bookstores, uh, you know, <laughs> near and far. How are you so eloquently uh, put? It, but I thank you so much for your time this morning. My Truly pleasure, a pleasure. Man. And uh, thank you as well, Britta. The Bay 88.7.